Welcome to the Link Adelaide podcast. Today joined by Samina Zera, a comedian from the UK, to talk about her show, Tea with Terrorists, at the 2012 Adelaide Fringe Festival. And Samina Zera is a performer all the way from the UK. She's bringing her comedy show, Tea with Terrorists, to the 2012 Adelaide Fringe Festival. Um, how are you doing today? I'm all right, thanks. How are you? I'm very excited to be coming to Adelaide. I've never been to Australia before. Oh, cool. Uh, when do you fly out? Um, I'm flying out on the 22nd from here, which means I'll get there on the 24th of February. Oh, brilliant. So you'll be here just in time for the start of the Fringe? Yeah. I mean, my show starts on the 5th, but I thought it best to be there a week before and sort of get used to the place and meet as many people as I can to convince them to come to the show. Yeah, do a whole lot of flyering and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, you're, you're pretty experienced, obviously, over in the UK um, and come from, I guess, a variety of variety of performing arts fields to come to stand-up. Um, what was kind of, yeah. what's kind of your first love? Um, it's not a question of first love, really. I'm just um, incredibly... I have an incredibly short attention span, so I just need to do lots of different things. And... Mm. I enjoy pretty much everything I do, and I've been lucky enough to do lots of varied things. Um, and this, I've, I've been doing comedy for a year now, just over a year, um, and I'm loving it. I'm really loving it, but I'm still discovering it as well, so it's, it's, it's very exciting. Cool. And what have been some of your biggest gigs that you've done? Well, I did the Edinburgh Festival last oh, year. Oh, huge. Yeah, I, d- I just did a one-hour show, and it was... Um, it was slightly crazy because I had just literally been doing comedy for about seven months before the actual show. But I did my first sort of five-minute gig at the end of uh, 2010, and I absolutely loved it. And I thought, well, you know, I, I want to do more of this. So what should I do? And I thought, well, I know what, I'll, I'll do a show at Edinburgh. I'd never even been to Edinburgh for the festival. I had no idea what I was doing, really. Hmm. It was a slightly insane thing to do. But in a way, it's quite good that I had no idea because then I would never have done it. Um, so I wrote this show, and I thought, well, I'll take it up then. We'll see. It'll be like a learning experience. Everybody said, yeah, don't expect, you know, five people at the show, and don't expect anything. And by the end of it, I had, you know, standing room only. I had a great review. I had people coming back with their friends. It was magnificent. It was such fun. A real highlight. Awesome. And hopefully you get the same reaction here in Adelaide. I hope so. I'm hoping so, yeah. Um, now, the title of the show is um, Tea with Terrorists. Um I believe from your website it, it used to go by the name of, or it used to go by a different name. I think it had snakes involved. Um, why the name change? Oh, okay. So originally the show was called Punching Mice. Yeah, oh, okay. There's, sorry. Um, I, did, yeah, it was a, <laughs> I don't know where snakes came the from. Reason punch, I, don't, I have no idea. <laughs> uh, but mice eat snakes. No, snakes eat mice even. That would yeah. be weird if mice had snakes. Um, yeah, so I, I basically, when I was writing the show originally, I had to kind of you know, put the, the um, put the show into the, the festival, and I thought, I need a name, I need a name. And really what I'm talking about is the surreal nature of life in general and how we decide to experience it, because really experiences happen, mm. and then it's all about how we choose to, to um, you know, have that experience and what we choose to do with it. And there, is a, there was an actual story in it about how a friend of mine starved a mouse to death by mistake because... She was very humane and she wanted to put it in a humane mouse trap and not poison it. But then she couldn't lift the mouse trap because she was so scared of the mouse and she ended up leaving her flat and then the mouse starved to death, um, which was just ridiculous. So um, 
I thought, well, that's it. That's it. It's about punching mice. It's about the ridiculousness of life. And then as I worked on it in Edinburgh, and the more that you know, the, the show shaped, because with an audience, and I did, uh, I think, 23 shows, and over time it sort of evolved and changed. And the show it is now is pretty much the same show, but, but it's changed in some quite basic ways. Mm. And uh, that wasn't an appropriate title anymore. And really the show is about, it is a story of how I ended up having tea with some terrorists. Um, and I thought, well, well, that's what it's about. Let me just say what it's about. Yeah. That's, that sounds rather absurd that you would have tea with terrorists, but I suppose they're, they're people like everyone else. And, um, uh, well, that's exactly my point. And to be fair, I mean, they were pissed for terrorists, the ones I ended up having tea with. Mm. They really had no idea what they were doing. And mm. I, I mean, I grew up, I spent a, a large proportion of my childhood in North India and Kashmir, and they've had sort of 20 odd years of civil unrest. And there are. Terrorists, I mean, you know, I say terrorists loosely. Some of them are, some of them are insurgents, some of them are freedom fighters. You know, you you take your moniker where you find it, you know, mm. it depends who's, who's talking. So, um, you know, people live with this. They live with civil unrest. They live with the disruption of their lives. And they've become, um, they're angry about it and they're upset and there's trauma. But they've also just become sort of, well, it's happening. I'm, you know, screw it, it's happening. I'm just going to deal with it. Mm. And some very insane things happened. I was in a car with my uncle, and he suddenly stopped, and he went, get under the car, get under the car. And I was like, well, why? Why am I getting under the car? And he said, just do it. And we got under the car, and there was crossfire over our heads. And there was, I don't know, it was army or police, whatever, fighting with insurgents or whatever. And it, it went on for a while. I don't know, it was five minutes or five hours. I was terrified. Mm. And then uh, it stopped, and my uncle sort of listened out, and then he went, Oh, yeah, they're done now. Okay, we can go. And we just got in the car and drove off. And I thought, what are you doing? This is not normal. You know, yeah, this happens all the time. Don't worry about it. And you just, you, know, you, you just learn to live with these absolutely absurd, ridiculous things. And it is quite funny, actually, when you look back. Yeah, but uh, I mean, certainly not for someone like myself who's, who's lived all his life in Australia and luckily <laughs> in touch would have never had to do with anything even remotely as freaky as that. But, but you'd be surprised how, you know, you think you'll be terrified and you think you'll fall apart and you don't know what you'll do till you're there. Mm. But really, when you're faced with stuff, suddenly you just go, you know what, it's here now, I've just got to deal with it. And human nature is great like that. We're, we're very resilient and mm. we do have, by and large, we do have a sense of humor, for which I'm very grateful because otherwise, what's the point? Yeah, exactly. Um, and I suppose in, in your time sort of growing into uh, the stand-up, the comic that you are now. Um, have you had many sort of influences and comedians in the UK that you kind of look uh, up to? I mean, there are comedians I look up to. I'm not sure that... I think what I'm doing is slightly different to what straight comics do in that I'm sort of telling stories which are comedy stories. And the mm. feedback that I've had is that it, it's a unique perspective because I'm talking about things that not, not a lot of people experience, mm. um, as, as you just said. Um, so... But, but there are comedians that I, I absolutely adore, and I love comedy. And there are the people like, I mean, there are the old sort of you know, fantastic comedians like Lenny Bruce and Dave Allen and Richard Pryor, who just, you know, are fantastic to watch even now. And I wish I could have seen them live. Um, there are people like Eddie Izzard. I love Eddie Izzard. He's, he's very funny. Daniel Kitson. Mm. Um, I like Tina Fey, Linda Smith, Josie Long. Uh, Miranda Hart, I don't know if, I mean, you would know, I, I would imagine you know Miranda Hart and Josie Long in Australia. Uh, don't think, yeah. yeah, not down here yet, I think. Oh, well, then you have something to look forward to when yeah. you get to them, because they're absolutely brilliant. Absolutely. Sarah Millican is another another comedian who's, who's 
fantastic. Um, yeah, I've heard of it. And then people like you know, Bill Hicks. Um, you, oh, you've heard of Sarah Milliken. Yeah, she's, yeah. I think she sold she's the highest-selling comedian of all time or something. Her wow. DVDs sold that. So. Amazing. Yeah, so, and there's Bill, you know, people like Bill Hicks who is, to me, less of a comedian, more of a sort of prophet of some description, angry prophet. <laughs> um, and, but, but amazing, you know, and, just, and people like John Higley is an amazing storyteller. Jerry Sadowitz who's just very angry and bizarre and makes you question the stuff that you believe or you think you know. Mm. And Ross Noble, who's just very, very surreal. I think you know Ross Noble in Australia. Oh, uh, he's, yes, I, I think he's spent half his time there. He's brilliant, <laughs> just you know, absolutely amazing. So there's just, there's loads of, this, you know, when you watch somebody do something well and do it with passion and do it with joy, you can't help but be inspired. Mm. And there, there are loads of people out there who are just inspirational and wonderful to watch. And there's a, you know, there's a list as long as my arm, really. Yeah. Um, and I've, I heard a couple of tip-offs about you. I had a gentleman email oh. in to Link Adelaide uh, by the name of Steve. I think he's, he's written for TV comedy shows over there. Um, he says, apparently, oh, something about... Oh, Steve Yes. Yeah, yeah. And he mentions your grandmother apparently is the most hilarious person <laughs> in the world. <laughs> well, my grandmother is a um, she. She is interesting, and I think there's something to identify with anybody who has a sort of strong grandmother. She's a she's not a cuddly grandmother. Let's put it that way. She's quite. <laughs> but uh, you know, but she's um, she is an amazingly strong woman, and she's completely mental. I mean, she figures quite a lot in the in the show, just because because she's crazy. I just I don't know how to explain it. She's the kind of woman. This is what happened when I when I was about 19. I started smoking, right? And mm. she absolutely hated it, but she couldn't say anything to me because I was an adult. So I'd be sitting in the garden, just minding my own business, having a cigarette, reading a book, whatever. And she'd just walk past on her way to somewhere, and as she passed me, she'd just look at me and she'd go, "Dancer," and then just walk <laughs> off, nothing else. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> she's, just, she's quite crazy. She's fantastic, and she do, yeah, she does figure in in um, in the show quite a lot. So uh, <laughs> it's interesting that Steve picked that. He did he did like her. He, he sort of said to me, "Your granny's the star of the show." Yeah. <laughs> when he saw it. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, and the other the other um link I suppose to you that we had uh, recently is I've just done an interview with um Dr. Blues, who I believe you you were uh, in another one of your many talents, do some singing with. Um, I do sing with him. I sing with his band. I mean, I, I must declare an interest there and tell you that he is my husband. Oh, is he your husband? Ah, oh, cool. Yeah, I was wondering yes, why both of, you, both of you kind of came in touch. It's like, that's really weird. They both know each other. And I've got, I've got him recording answers in another podcast to questions that I've recorded and emailed him. So he's going to record those yeah. and send them back to me. So, oh, cool. cool. Um, so he's got one as well. But, yeah, you, we're actually talking in person, which is kind of nice. That's great. I mean, he, he, uh, uh, Mike, is, uh, Mike has been singing for years, and he's, he's really wonderful. I don't know if you've heard his stuff, but he's a really good singer. Part of the reason I sell for him, there's something about musicians, you know, they're very irresistible. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, and I, he front the band that I uh, sing the blues with. It's an amazing thing to do. I mean, I love it. Mm. It's absolutely fantastic to stand up there and just, you know, let your pipes go and just... And, and blues is great. Blues is fantastic. It's gutsy and comes from, you know, the pit of your stomach, and it's, it's wonderful. I, I do love it. It's and really Mike fun. is so good at it, too. Like I, I, he sort of sent me over his album, and, yeah, a lot of that. Yeah. It's just classic you know, blues. It's a, beautiful. It, it's beautiful, and he's an amazing writer, and he's an amazing musician. And he actually has no idea how amazing he is. 
because he does this stuff and he goes out and he he just loves singing mm. and he and he has a really wonderful way of putting lyrics and music together he's got a great voice he does you know somebody said uh, Rob Clark who runs a, a blues bar here said that he sounds like the busted son of Tom Waits and Howling Wolf and it, it's kind of true he does and I remember uh, we were somewhere and there's some guy who was a he was a um, He's a harmonica player, and he was a big, sort of big black guy, you know, and he's a fantastic harmonica player. And he said to Mike, he said, you are the blackest white man I've ever heard. <laughs> which oh, that's is, which quite a compliment. A compliment yeah, it's Absolutely. a huge compliment. So, yeah, I mean, he's, and, you know, I hope, I hope the show does well for him as well, because it'll be great. It'll be great to work. I'll be there every night doing the door for him. And, oh, lovely. Uh, no, that, yeah. sounds, that sounds great. And, uh, yeah, um... So good that both of you are coming out and spending some time at the Adelaide Fringe. Um, but yeah. before I let go, I do have to ask because I was reading up, reading up again on your website about some of your acting history. Okay. You appear to have acted yeah. in all the great theatres of uh, London. What, what, what's oh, like? not all. I've never. Well, I've never done the West End. Let's just get that out there. I have done the National Theatre, which is a lovely theatre to work in, and the, the staff and you know, everybody just is fantastic. They're all about creating creating fantastic work. Mm. Um, so that was wonderful. Also, it's on the south bank of the Thames, uh, which is a great place to go to work every day. Yeah. Just sit there and, and sit in the green room and look out and watch the sunset over the Thames. And it's absolutely fantastic. <clears throat> the other thing that I did, which I think probably was the pinnacle of my acting career in terms of where it went and who I worked with and stuff, was Midnight Children. Yeah. And um, that's, you know, the, the book by Salman Rushdie, which was the book of the bookers. And he was there throughout the whole rehearsal process, which was amazing. Oh, wow. Um, because, you know, yeah, he was. And he sort of co-wrote the script as well. And he was incredibly supportive and incredibly sort of not precious about us changing lines and changing little bits of it. And he was sort of, yeah, that's fine. He has a great sense of humor and he's very self-deprecating. And he's very knowledgeable. You know, he's got amazing knowledge of history and politics and stuff. So it was wonderful working with him. And then we went to New York and we played the Apollo Theatre in Harlem, which to me, if I never play another big theatre again, that'll do me. It's an amazing, historic, great place to play. And I had, this, I had a dressing room and I kept thinking, I'm sure, I'm sure this is Ella Fitzgerald's old dressing room. I'm sure it is. I'm sure her ghost is here. I was, you know, it was just fantastic. The old boards and the wrought iron staircase and you creak up to the top floor. Oh. It was just, it was brilliant. The people there were fantastic. They're so proud of it. And every Wednesday night, they still have the world-famous sort of Apollo open mic night. And in fact, we had to not do the show that night because they wouldn't stop it even for the RSC, <laughs> which is absolutely right. <laughs> be absolutely right. Yeah. Too. And uh, we had an amazing time. And we, we had this kind of interaction with the audience. We did one show, which was a, a matinee show for the local community. And it was brilliant because they're, they're very sort of, they're very interactive. Mm. And it, the show added, like, we added 25 minutes to the show for the amount of stuff that, you know, they were just standing in the in the seats and going, oh, you can't do that. Oh, did your mama know? Did your mama know? Oh, that's not good. It was just fantastic. It was wonderful. And it was real sort of theater, as I imagine it would have been, you know, in the days in, you know, I don't know, in the 1700s when people bought cabbages to throw at actors they didn't like and had yeah. sort of, you know, were hooting and hollering and calling. Because now, of course, theater is such a... It's such a prim and proper sort of uh, thing to do, isn't it? You have to be so polite. I know. And I just love having that, uh, you know, that amazing audience that just didn't give a shit and just all with it and really with the show. It was, it was an amazing experience. I've been very lucky. I've been incredibly lucky in uh, everything that I've done, really. I just 
mean, managed to do some quite spectacular stuff. Tremendously. I mean, you're pretty much a triple threat. <laughs> How's your dancing? Well, I didn't... Sorry? How's your dancing? How's my... Oh, it's uh, two left feet. Really, okay. very, very bad. Well, at least there's something you can't do. <laughs> There's plenty I can't do, mate. Those are the things I don't put out there. <laughs> uh, but everything you do seem to do, you do really, really well. Um, oh, S- thank you. Samina Zera, thank you so much for being a wonderful interview for me uh, about 11 o'clock at night here in uh, here in Melbourne, which is where I am at the moment. Um, I hope you have okay. a wonderful season. I look forward to uh, hopefully catching up with you, you during your time. Um, your show is Thanks called Tea with Terrorists, and you're playing the Austral Hotel's Red Room from the 5th of March yes. right through until... Uh, uh, until the 18th. Until the 18th. Yeah. And uh, for all the details, make sure you check out our website, linkadelaide.com.au and adelaidefringe.com.au. Um, Samina, I really hope to see you at the Fringe. I hope to see you too, Stephen. Thank you very much. For more information about Samina's show, make sure you check out our website, linkadelaide.com.au or visit adelaidefringe.com.au.